0: Guys, can be seated. How are you guys doing? Good. My name's Zach. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at the Grove. Um, We've been in James for uh, several weeks. We got three more weeks, including today, uh, to go. So today and then two more weeks, we'll be in James. Um, And uh, you know, just to kind of start off, I think it's it's you can just kind of see God's providence um, and His sovereignty. And today, having a passage like this, uh, if you don't follow the news, we've had two mass shootings in the last 24 hours in our country. Um, A lot of people have died, a lot of people are wounded, uh, and it's just awful. No matter what you believe about the solutions to these things, uh, we can and should agree that this is awful, Uh, and it's not, this wasn't the way things were meant to be. Uh, And as we'll see today, it's not the way these things will one day be uh that there is an end to things like this. Um and we'll see. So we read you guys read it. Suffering, patience. I mean it's it speaks today not only uh to us in here but also to our country. And so man I'm just hopeful that as we as we kinda dig into this that that our 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 country uh as we go through a time of suffering and mourning uh and as families in in Texas and Ohio go through a time of suffering and mourning, Lord that the Lord would be present and uh, merciful, and, and, and full of grace and love. And so we just are going to get through this today, and uh, it's a really good passage. Uh, this week, um, has been, has just kind of going through this has been really good for me and my soul, and so I just pray that it would be a blessing to you guys. So we'll dig in. Holly read it. You guys know what's coming. Um, but before we dig in the text, I just want to share a quick story with you guys. What's up, Rachel? Um, and uh, share a quick story with you guys. Uh, On April 8th of 1950, this woman named Florence Chadwick uh, swam across the English Channel. She swam from England to France. Uh, She set the new record for women to do so. It was about 13 hours and 20 minutes, which is just incredible. Uh, Two years later, in the summer of 1952, she went to go set out another record, and she began to swim from the Catalina Island to the shore of California. About 15 hours into the swim, a dense, heavy fog set in. And she had two boats, one on each side of her, and they were there to like kind of go with her, to lend aid if she needed it, if she, um, and also to look for sharks and keep her safe from sharks. 15 hours of dense fog comes in, and she asks to be let out after about an hour in the fog. She just is tired, exhausted. She, and her mom, who's in one of the boats, says, No, honey, just keep going. You're almost there. Just keep going. She swims around another hour, and then she gets back in the boat and she gives up. Once in the boat and back to shore, she realizes she was only half a mile from shore. Swimming 15 hours and 20 minutes, half a mile from shore and gives up. And she says to the uh, reporters there on the shore, like, man, like, I, I didn't know I was that close. The fog rolled in. I couldn't see how far away things were. And if I only knew that I was that close, I know I could have made it. And I feel like, for us today, like this, this story resonates. We're like, man, we're like there's, there's, so close to the end. Like Jesus is coming. Our Father is coming back to get us. And it's so close, but the fog comes in. The things of this world come in. Our, our sufferings, our, our issues, our life, the, the things that are around us, they press in and they, and they, they blind us from seeing how close that shore is. And it, it's so tempting just to give up. It's so tempting to, to climb into a boat that the Lord wouldn't have for us Because we're so close, and so today James's message is just hang on, be patient, be steadfast, don't give up, keep going. That day is coming where the Father is coming for us. The day is coming, so be patient. And so James's first thing, as we see uh, in verse seven, says, "Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord." That. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. He's coming back. And what does that mean? What does the coming of the Lord even mean? Well, this is what we're trying to be patient for. In Revelation chapter 21, starting verse 1, it says this, that the coming of the Lord, that that day is going to look like this. John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This is the day James is saying, Wait for it. Be patient. The day of the Lord is coming. That day where there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more death. Those things will be no more, where all things will be renewed. That day is coming. It's at hand, he'll say later. Just just wait. Be patient. Hang in there. Don't give up. Our Father is coming back, He's not going to leave us here forever. And that day is closer now than it was when Sawyer first stepped up here. Every moment, like we're we're not good at being patient. Can we just agree with that? Like how many of us this week just kind of lost it on our screens because it just, something didn't load like in 18 seconds like it's supposed to. It took 19 seconds and we just lost it. We're like, like why are you taking so long? You get so frustrated with a device. And if you're yelling at a device, we can all agree that's kind of weird and insane, right? Like maybe you should seek out some help. This is a safe place. You can get help here but it 's not good, but we are so impatient we 're not good at being patient. The more technology speeds things up, the more impatient we are. Um, I find myself like doing things I always said I would never do, which is being like my father and and telling my kids how much slower things when I was little, like how, how much worse off I had it, you know how i didn 't have a TV screen in my van when we went on road trips. Um, like we just had to play. Uh, I spy at 70 miles per hour, which is super hard, right? Like, those things are gone in a moment. And so, like, this is the kind of stuff that uh, we are so impatient. My kids are impatient. I'm impatient. And so we need to be reminded, like, hold on. Just hang in there. Our Father is coming. Our King is coming. His son is coming to get us. I was, uh, about a year ago, I had a different job. I was working at an insurance place uh, just across the river here. And um, we, we, we had this building, uh, the church did, and um, Margie was here doing some stuff, and the kids were playing, and I got this frantic, frantic phone call. Margie is, is talking to me. Kids are screaming in the background. If you don't know, there's like an elevator lift in the back here for, for handicap access. And my kids loved playing in it. They don't play it anymore because of this day. They loved playing in it. Well, they had gone about halfway up and it just stopped and it stopped working. They got stuck and they were, they were freaking out. What happens is like the doors lock when the elevator starts going up or down so that you can't accidentally open and fall out or get crushed or anything, so the doors are locked. Margie can't reach down and get them. They can't open the doors to get in. And my kids are just screaming uh, Margie, my wife, calls me. So that means my kids know that she's given up. She's looking for help. Um, she can't do it. And so my kids are actually hear them screaming for their dad through the phone. And I come here. God has blessed me with, like, height, I guess. It's not always a blessing. Uh, I hit my head on things. I can't find a bed that's big enough. It's a whole thing. But I, I'm able to reach down and grab Elium, pull him up out of it, reach down, grabbed Salome, and pull him out of it. They just had to hold on a little longer, but they were freaking out. They were not patient. So they were, I pulled up to my car out here in the back parking lot. And I opened the door. I could hear screaming from my car, like just, just blood-curling scream. It took me like 10 minutes to get here, so it's been happening for a long time, and James would say to us, just hold on. Our father's going to come down. He's going to reach down. He's going to take us. Just hang on a little bit longer, it's almost there. That day is coming, that day that Revelation talks about, that day when he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. There will be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. That day is coming. It's almost here. It's almost here. And, and we should be thankful because it's coming soon. Like, it's, it's happening quickly. And, and I know it's been 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years since James wrote this, which is actually good news because it means it's 2,000 years closer than it being at hand, right? So that's really good. It means it's really soon. And we should, time goes by so fast. I feel it's August, August 4th, and I feel like it was just yesterday. My kids were opening up Christmas presents, and now I'm thinking about what am I going to get them for Christmas this year? I mean, it's just crazy, right? Like the time goes by so fast. Elian just got out of school, and now he's—we got list about he's got to go back to school. We have list of things to buy. This is how fast time goes. When I was younger, I would hear things like, um, you know, the days are long the years are short. It didn't make any sense to me because time is time, like it's just constant. Um, but I get it now. The days are so long. I go to bed tired, I go to bed exhausted. Margie's been gone since Thursday at this weekend for her, uh, our soon-to-be sister-in-law, celebrating her getting married soon. I've had three kids by myself. The days are long. (laughs) Like they do not, the end does not come quick enough. Um, But the years are short. So like time's moving forward, and we're getting closer and closer to this day. Hang in there. The Lord is coming. James would would also say, not just hang in there, the Lord is coming, but but be patient. The Lord's doing something in you. He says uh, at at verse uh, 7 towards the end, he says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. God's doing, if you're a Christian here today, God's doing something in you like he's working in you. Be patient. It's happening. It's going to take time. No one just wakes up one day and you're just godly. Like you just wake up like, "Oh, I, I love Jesus," and I pray all the time and I read my Bible and I understand everything it says. Like that doesn't happen. You have to work at it. Now we don't work to get God's favor or his love or his acceptance or approval, but once we have it, once that's been secured for us in Christ, we work to become more like Christ and we need to be patient. So many of you I know personally are so impatient with your own growth. Like you just wish you'd be further along. You've been doing this for a couple months. Calm down. Like get you're, you're, run as fast as you can but get up when you stumble. Don't stay down staring like down like oh man, I wish I could do better. I wish I'd be more like this person. I wish I'd be more like Christ. I wish I could teach better. I wish I could pray better. Like God's doing something in you. Be patient. Let the gospel do its work in your heart. Do not grow weary hang in there. It's going to be so tempting just to wish things were going faster. It's going to be tempting just to wish things were moving at a higher speed. But like nothing else in life happens like this. Like you don't just like decide, hey, I'm going to learn Spanish today, buy Rosetta Stone, and then the next day you know Spanish, you're fluent in it. That doesn't happen. And no one expects that out of you. So why do you put these expectations on yourself that you're just going to come to church hear the gospel. And the next day you want to have it all together. You're not, you're not going to have it all together. And that's okay. It's good. Get up, keep going, be patient, be steadfast. Farmers don't just plant stuff. And then in the next day the harvest is there. I know like Farmville could have got some of us confused on how farms work, <laughs> but it takes a lot of time for fruit to actually bear on vines, for fruit to actually come out of trees, for vegetables to come out of the ground. It takes time. Be patient. We have to wait for the rains. And who, who can bring rain? God. You can't, you can't rain. You can't make it rain. You can't do it. You plant seeds and you wait and you're patient. You let the Lord of the harvest bring rain. And he will, if you are a Christian, he will produce righteousness in you. He will produce fruits of righteousness. So be patient God is doing a work in you. The Lord, the author of your faith, is faithful. He will finish everything he starts. Let him do his work. Be patient. So we are to be patient for the Lord is coming back. We are to be patient because the Lord is doing something in us. And then in verse um, 9, it would say this. Do not grumble against one another, brother, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We should be patient for the Lord is coming. We're patient because God is doing something in us and we are to be patient with one another. Not, don't grumble. Basically, James is saying here is like you better watch your mouth because the real judge is standing at the door listening to everything you're saying about your brothers. The idea that James is saying is, hey, listen, you need to extend the same grace that you're saying you've received. This next part could be hard for some of us, but it needs to be said. Um, I love, I love the Grove. I love my church. I love it so much. But we're, we're we've been growing. We um, so respond to your two generosity. services now. Father, I love we, you. And thank you for all that um, you're doing. Like a year ago, there was Faith like 40 on of us. Name. Amen. I love you guys. Um, it's been hard. The growth is hard. It's, it's good. It's fantastic. But it's hard. As the church continues to grow, and and, and our hope and my desire, my deepest desire is that it does continue to grow. And not because I want some like kingdom or or my own kingdom or some own castle to build here, because I want us to take the gospel into every part of Spruce Pine, to every part of Burnsville and Bakersville and Grassy Creek and Micahville and any other ville I forget, please don't get mad. All of your villes, we want to take the gospel there. We want to push back what's dark. We want to raise Jesus high and let him bring many men and women to himself. But as that happens, as the church continues to grow, it's going to continue to put a strain on me. It's going to put a strain on Margie. I I can't be everyone's best friend. Margie cannot be every woman's best friend. She can't. We need you guys to care for one another, to love one another to spend time with one another, not not centered around what I do or what Margie does, but just by yourselves. Look, I want to be everyone's best friend. I love you guys, but as new people come into the church, man, they're bringing hurts, and they, they need people to speak in their lives, and I need you guys to do that as I continue to do that. I know some of you feel like, hey, like, man, Zach's not as accessible as he used to be. Margie's not around like she used to be, and I get it, But this is the way it has to be for us to reach this town, is that it can no longer be centered around what me or Margie, but it's centered around you guys doing the work of the ministry. You read Ephesians 5, and it doesn't say pastors and and do the work of the ministries, but the job of the pastor is to equip the saints for ministry. That's you guys. You guys are to do the work of the ministry. You're to love one another, to care for one another, to pour your life out for one another. And I want to equip you to do that. I want Margie's trying to equip people to do that, women, to do that. But you guys got to actually do it, not just grumble about it. Not just be upset that our church is growing and things aren't like they used to be. Like, I don't want to stay a small, cute little church. Mm -hmm. I don't, because God didn't call us to have a small, cute little church. He called us to storm the gates of hell. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to do. Like, that's what we want to do. And that means people are going to come. It means God's, like Jesus said in, in Matthew 28, that, that all authority on earth and heaven isn't given to Jesus, right? So anything he says next is absolutely going to happen. And he says, therefore, because I have all authority, I'm giving that to you. Therefore, go make disciples. He didn't say go try to make disciples. Go give it your best shot. Mm-hmm. If you go out with the gospel, you will make disciples. Maybe it's just one this next year. Maybe it's 20, maybe it's 40. The point is, is if we are faithful to the gospel, this church will continue to grow. It may not grow huge, but it will continue, new people will keep coming in. And we need your guys' help. I know some of us are grumbling because it's just not the way it used to be. I have some military friends, and they say this about grumbling. Uh, I've censored some of it, I've changed some words, because I'd get fired if I said it the way they say it. Um, But they say complaining, grumbling, is like pooping in a clogged toilet. You offer no solutions, you just make things worse, right? We get clogged toilets at home, because my, my, my kids don't understand how like toilet paper rationing works. And so that happens pretty often. And the worst thing you could do is poop in a clogged toilet. That's what we do when we complain. We're making things worse. We're making it worse. We're speaking judgment. We're getting frustrated and angry instead of actually getting up off the bench and playing the game. We're sitting on the sideline. We've got some like striped shirt on and a whistle. We're just calling fouls and blowing our whistle at everyone instead of playing the game. Like you guys know the plays. Go out and run some. This is what we need to happen here. And I'm like, it's not just what we need. It's what we get to do. Like, Christians should not be bored. We should have, like, we have the biggest drama ever, the biggest story ever that we're invited into to play. We're invited into to be a part of. And you guys can do it. Jesus sent the disciples out with, like, no training No seminary, no schooling, just sent them out two by two to go make disciples, to go preach the gospel. Like, you don't need training, you don't need, like, just go be faithful, let the Holy Spirit do its work in you, and go out. Care for one another, meet with one another. And look, this is happening. I know you guys are doing it. I'm thankful for those who are doing it. But I also know some people are upset that things are changing. And if we're going to do what I think the Lord has for us, things are going to have to change. One of the only constants here at the Grove are going to be the gospel and change. We will continue to change as people continue to come in this building, whether it's mean we need to move into a new building, whether it's we need to uh, install you know, new leaders and new things just to care for one like, whatever it means we have to do, we want to reach this area. You guys, you guys get it now? Are you, are you tracking with me? You guys cool? Because that, that it, um, isn't exactly what James is saying about the grumbling, <laughs> but I feel like I had to say it. I love you guys. I really do, like more than you realize. And we, my wife and I are like, we're pouring our lives out for you guys. And this isn't to talk about us, but I just need you to like, the grumbling hurts. It does. James, he's saying, bro, the judge is at the door. Watch what you say about your brothers and sisters. Watch how you complain. Because the real judge, the one whose only opinion matters, is watching. And he's, he's eliciting fear. I think it's okay. It's in the Bible. So be fearful. Don't just say things. You're hurting people. You've received grace. Give that grace back out. You've received mercy. Give that mercy back out. All right, that's my one rant for today. Don't grumble. Be patient. It's not about us. Be patient with your brothers and sisters. They're a work in progress. So not just about grumbling about the church changing, but as you see more people come in, as you see uh, brothers and sisters coming to the Lord and you're, you know, they're kind of, you know, they might annoy you some. You're probably also a little annoying for being honest. And so... They're going to annoy you. You're going to annoy them. Be patient. The day of the Lord has not come yet. And so your brothers and sisters are not perfect. Be patient. It's coming. There will be a day where your brothers and sisters don't annoy you. It's not today. It's not this hour. It's not even, it's not even close to this hour. But that day is coming fast. So be patient. All right. James continues. He says, as an example, this is verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So he, he begins to tell us to go back and remember some things that have happened, to remember Job, to remember the prophets. And, and Job is... is such an awesome thing here that that uh, James is bringing up. Job, if you don't know the story of Job, it's this crazy story. I've got time to share it, so we're gonna share it. Job is this guy. Uh, had a lot of stuff. He's he had he's wealthy. He had seven kids. He had a wife. He had friends. Like he just had kind of had everything you'd want back then. Well, Satan, the devil, was was walking across the land, uh, which is just kind of weird to think about. And he gets to heaven, and and uh, God says to him like, Hey. Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He worships me. He loves me. Have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, yeah, of course he worships you. He has everything he needs, everything he wants. Of course he praises your name. He's got all this stuff, wealth, kids, family, friends. He's got everything. He says, if he didn't have that stuff, he wouldn't praise you. And God says, okay, you can take away stuff, anything you want from Job, but you can't touch him. You can touch his family, his stuff. You can't touch him. And so Satan goes, and and, and just real quick, this, this is just a you gotta get this because this is really cool. Like Satan can't just do whatever he wants. Okay, like God, he had to have God's permission, and with his permission, God gave parameters, and Satan could not operate outside of those things. Like he's he's not some equal force with God, and we just or we just hope God wins someday. He he is he is subservient to God, and God gives him permission to take from Job, but he cannot touch Job's life. So Satan goes and does that. We don't know how long it takes, whether it's minutes, hours, days, but Job loses all seven of his kids. He loses his wealth and he continues to praise God, continues to worship. He's down there singing Matt Redman songs like, blessed be the Lord. He he, he gives and takes away. It's not actually, uh, Job wrote that Matt Redmond stole it from him. Um, if you don't know who Matt Redmond is, is it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but those who like, grew up in church, went to youth group or stuff, probably probably know who he is. Um, he's still praising the Lord. still loves the Lord. And so Satan goes back to heaven, and God's like, hey, look, Job's singing songs down there to me. Have you seen that? Did you notice that you took everything that you said he needed, to, that he had, and that's why he's worshiping You took it all away, and he's still worshiping. And God said, or Satan said, yeah, of course. Like, he still has his health. He's still fine. Um, he, he has his health. Because um, he, everything else was taken away from him except for his wife. And you'll find out in just a moment that that was bad. Like, he sh- would have been nice if the wife wasn't there either. I'm um, just being honest just because of what she does. But so, so, God says, okay, fine. You can, touch, you can touch Job. You can do whatever you want to Job. You just can't kill him. Gives him permission and more parameters. You just can't kill him. So he goes down. He gets these, boy, these painful boils all over his skin. Just so painful. He's got these like these clay pots pieces that he's just scratching and scraping at his skin. He's in sackcloth and ashes, just wailing. Scra- like this is horrible. It's a pretty bad day. And his lovely chipper wife comes over and she says, "Are you still here? Curse God and die." That's why it'd be better if, if Satan took her too. Because the last thing he needed was his wife to come and nag at him about how he's doing it wrong. He needs to just curse God and die and just get life over with. Because that's what you need when your life's going bad, right? He begins to question God a little bit. God doesn't get angry. God kneels down and answers his questions. And Job and, and, and begins to praise God again. And God restores everything Job lost back to him. This is why Job is a really cool story. The, the people that James is writing to, the Jewish people who James is writing to, they know this story. They know that their life is nothing, the suffering they're experiencing is nothing compared to Job. Job has this trump card. Whatever you're going through, Job lost seven kids. His wife told him he should just die. He had boils where the, the only relief you could get was to just rub clay to just scratch and scar up your your body. This is Job's life. And Job restored everything back to him. A day is coming where everything everything will be made right. Job got to see it in his life, and that's awesome. We may never get to see it in our life, but a day is coming that we will see it. Stuff of life may come in, Fog could come in and make it hard for us to see, but it's there. It's close, it's at hand. Remember Job. I think another good uh, story to remember in the Old Testament is Joseph. Joseph is this guy, um, he was a young guy, he had a lot of brothers, and his dad loved Job. Joseph was the favorite, and Joseph was totally cool um, being the favorite, and he rubbed in his brother's faces all the time, and um, kind of a jerk, uh, I think so but he just loved rubbing in his brother's faces. So his brothers got really mad, tried to kill him, tried to sell him into slavery. Um, And Job gets taken. He ends up getting put in prison. He gets out, becomes a servant in this house, Potiphar's house um, and serving there. And apparently he's a good looking guy because Potiphar's wife's trying to seduce him. Uh, Joseph says, no, I don't want any part of this. I wanna honor your husband and I want to honor my Lord and my God, so I don't want any part of this. So Potiphar's wife uh, falsely accuses him of sexual assault. He gets put back in prison. He ends up interpreting some dreams through the Lord. Um, He ends up interpreting Pharaoh's dream. He gets out of prison, becomes a ruler over Egypt. His brothers and his nation is going through a great famine, and they come to, to see if they could get food And who do they see? They see their brother, who they tried to get rid of, now ruling over Egypt. That's what Joseph would say to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it. God meant it. Not God used it. God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God meant it. It didn't say, it's the same word. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. I think so often we think God's like this master chess player, like, like you know, evil people make moves, and then God's like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And then, No, it, said, it doesn't say God used it. It didn't say God countered it with good. God meant it for good. There was never a moment this wasn't part of God's plan. And we could, we could, we could wallow in that and be like, well, God's evil because he's like meaning evil things to happen. No, God is bringing about a plan that is the best plan for us. And we may have trouble seeing it, but we can be like Joseph and know what what other people in my life meant for evil. God means it for good. No matter what's happened to you, no matter what suffering that you have, whatever's happened, God, if you're a Christian here today, God means it for your good. Not just using it for good. He means it for your good. See, some of us are here today and, and you're, you're taking in this sermon, you're hearing the word, and you're like, man, I'm gonna need this someday. Like, someday I'm gonna go through some things. I need to, rem- I need to remember to be patient, to be long suffering, to be steadfast. I need to re- remember this. But others have come in today and need to hear it now. I don't know what you're going through, I don't know how you got dragged in here, how you got invited into this place, or whatever's going on, but some of you need to hear it today that these words are meant for you today, that whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happened to you, whatever you've done to bring yourself suffering, whatever, however it looks for you, God means it for good if you are in Christ. He means it for your good. So be patient. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. The shore is so close. No matter, no matter whether you can see it or not, it is so close. Two months later after Florence Chadwick failed the swimming from Catalina Island to the coast of Carolina. She tried again, same amount of fog was there, same boats, her mom and one of them, but this time she made it. She swam the whole distance and when asked what was different this time, why did you make it this time? She said, I kept in my mind the whole time an image of the shore. Though I couldn't see it, I knew it was there and if I just kept swimming, I'd make it. And she did and we need to keep the image of that day coming in our mind and if you do because James is reminding us over and over again the day is coming, the day is coming, the day is at hand if we can keep that in our imagination that this day is real and it's coming, we'll make it we'll get there so hang on, be patient don't give up our king is coming the day is soon keep moving forward. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up, but keep moving forward. There's a couple of things I want us to do as, 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 as the Grove and as Christians, um, as we move forward and as we take this text and we apply this is I think the first thing is we need to be good at remembering. We need to be good at remembering things like Job, but also things in our own life. Uh, about a year ago, I went through, uh, a, a Year and a half ago, went through kind of a serious um, season of depression. I um, was struggling uh, at the Grove, struggling, you know, pastoring, and just a lot of stuff was going on, a lot of things were happening. Uh, some people had left and, and, and really kind of just wounded Margie and I, and some, and some of the things they said and the reasons they left, and it was hard. And um, I kind of leaned towards that anyway. And so it really kind of just plunged into that. And it was actually uh, uh, one of my old students who I I pastored as a youth pastor. Uh, I was speaking to him. He's now a pastor. And I was like, man, this just, this, this just, this sucks. That's what I said. Just being honest. I was like, this sucks. And he was like, man, like God's good. And I was like, I know that. I don't want to hear that right now. Like, I don't feel that. And what he had me do, and this is so cool, it's a cool moment when someone that I pastored and discipled is now like pouring back into me because I'm having a moment here, and he's like, dude, just, just get out some paper, get out your journal, and just write some good things that God has done the last six months. Just Don't, even, don't go back further than that because you'll get overwhelmed, there'll be too many to count. Just take the last six months and just write out how God's been good to you. And I did that, and it was so good for my soul. Because I could see, I could get a bird's eye view. Instead of being in the trenches and just seeing how dark this valley is, I was able to go up and see what, how God has been good in the last six months. And he was so good. And I kept that paper. It's in a drawer behind my desk. And I have to look at it a lot to remind myself of the past and how God has been faithful and how he has been good to me. in in the suffering, in those moments, if you're at the women's Bible study, my wife handed out stones a few weeks ago and asked you guys to carry those with you as you do your homework, as you do these things, and to keep that stone as a stone of remembrance of what God's doing during this time. And she loves, she, she's been wanting to do that for a while with something, whether it was like home group or something. She's been trying to figure out a way to force this stone on people. And um, she's probably going to listen to this later. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Um, but it was, it's a really good thing. It comes from Joshua. And Joshua led, Moses died, Joshua stepped up, he was called, and he led God's people into the promised land. And um, when they crossed the Jordan on dry ground into the promised land, God told his people to go back to the Jordan to gather rocks and to make a tower with them, that they could remember what God had done. And that their children would say, like, why is there a tower of rocks here? And they'd be able to tell their children what God had done and how God had been faithful how God brought them out of Egypt, how God brought them out of slavery, brought them through the Red Sea, through the desert, and into the promised land. We need to look back and remember how God has been faithful to us, to the generations past, to the church, to Israel. And remember how God's been faithful, that his promises are true, that, that the things that he's promised, they've, they've come true. So surely the things he's promised that haven't come true yet will and to hold on and to hang on, to remember well. And the second thing I think we should do is not just look back at the past and remember well, but look forward to the future and, and imagine it and dream about it. To think, man, that's going to be awesome. That day is coming. To not forget it. To remember it as much as possible, that it's coming. Because it's going to be so easy. We are prone to forget. That's why we do the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Because we, so, we are people who are so prone to forget and, and forget what the Lord is doing and what he has done. And so we, we come every week and we come to the table and we remember what God has done. And so today we're gonna have a chance for us to do that like we do every week. We're gonna sing, we're gonna have the Lord's Supper and we can remember that God was faithful to bring his son the first time, that he lived this perfect life and died this death in our place and that his body was broken and that his blood was shed for us. And so we eat the bread to remember the last supper. Jesus broke the bread and said, do this in remembrance of me, that this is my body, take it and and break it. It's been broken for us. See, that kingdom is coming. And Christ's broken body has made a way for us to enter into it. Because without the cross, without God's, without Jesus's broken body, the kingdom coming is terrible news because we don't get to be a part of it without Jesus. There's nothing we could do to get into it. When, Jesus, or when God cast out our first parents out of Eden, we were, we were gone. We had no hope for us except for the promise he made that one day he would send someone to fix this. He would send someone uh, to make all sad things untrue. So we break the bread together and we drink the blood to remember that. To remember that not only did that happen, but a day is coming where all the promises of God will be fulfilled in Christ. So we have communion, we'll sing, and we'll sing and remember what God has done. And then um, for if you're a member of the grove here, or you're someone who comes and you're a regular attender, um, we have a box up here you can give, and you can worship through giving and worship through um, uh, giving your 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 fi- you know some financial contribution to invest in what God's doing here at the Grove. If you're a guest here today, um, this isn't me asking you for money. Uh, I hope that um, our service was a gift to you, and don't feel like you need to give anything to us. But if you're a member, if you're a covenant member, or you're someone who attends regularly, this is your chance to worship. You can do it at the box, you can do it online. Uh, you go to our website and give there as well. But this is our time to respond to God's word and what he has said to us. And so we, are, we need to be patient because the day of the Lord is coming. We need to be patient because God's doing something in us. We need to be patient with one another and remember both the past and not forget what is to come. I'll pray for us and then we'll sing. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Uh, I thank you that... We have this letter that can really just, I mean, and even just planning these this sermon series out that this, this, this day of uh, talking about suffering and patience would land on today and uh, a day that our, our, our country's mourning. And we just know that that's going to end someday. And so we just thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty, for your providence, and that you've brought us here today to hear this word, Lord. Would you um, receive our worship? today because of what Christ on the cross would as we sing, as we remember as we uh, give Lord would that just be a blessing to you Would allow that to be a sweet aroma to you in heaven God and in turn would you we just ask would you bless us with your presence Lord that you'd be here with us and amongst us and we could just actually like just feel that you're among us and rejoice that we have a way to commune with you to be uh, with you Lord, we ask that you'd come quickly, that you would come back and you would, you would bring your kingdom, to, the fullness, the reality of your kingdom as we try to advance it here on earth. Would you fulfill it and bring it back in full? We love you, Father. Thank you so much for all that you've done at the Grove. and Would you continue to use us as you see fit? I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.